Welcome everyone to How Winners Win. I am Daniel Blue. As always, I've got my co-host Kita Spears, aka High Key. What up, winners? Guys, right now, it's, it's, I'm going to keep it real with you. Our AC is kind of fucked up. So I don't think I told you this, Kita. So guys, we're in Las Vegas. It's like 105 degrees outside right now. Our AC went out on Friday. Oh, so I'm, I'm in Texas and I get a text message from the sales team. They're like, hey, just so you know, the AC is off. It, it's broken. It's like two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> I'm like, nice. Sick. So then, you know, I call some reinforcements. They get someone to come into the office to quote unquote fix the AC. Okay, cool. AC's fixed. I come in the office this morning. Dude, it's at 78 degrees like currently, but it's set at 71. I immediately saw a red flag. I'm like, how do you set this thermostat to 71, but it's 78 degrees? It's not fixed. So no, it's not fixed. <laughs> you so, got some duct tape. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's kind of humid right now in the, in the podcast uh, studio, but um, you know we're, we're going to bring some heat physically and uh, with, with our guest. Yes. So um, I want to introduce you guys to our guest. Uh, she is a decorated war veteran, uh, lost half her body weight. That's really what caught my eye. And uh, her business is in the space of uh, high performance inner work where she helps leaders scale their leadership so they can scale their impact. And uh, she's at a lovely Tampa, Florida. It's welcome aboard the show, Stacey Rasky. Thank you so much for having me. You know, it's definitely going to get hot in here, right? It, 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 it definitely is. Winners, turn on your AC now because we're about to drop some yeah. heat. Yes. Right. Yes. It's like, it's like we're in Las Vegas with no humidity, but then like we have a ton of humidity where we're at. And you've got a lot of humidity in Florida, don't you? Yeah. Actually, speaking of the AC going out, that was me a couple of weekends ago in the middle of hot humid Florida summer and the AC went out and it was funny because it was a tiny, easy little fix, but it's something that when I lived up North, it was not part of the HVAC system. This particular little shutoff valve, <laughs> like when the service finally came and he showed me, he's like, yeah, it's, it's this little thing right here. Just if the water gets backed up, you just pull it out, let it dry off. And this is the fix. It's an easy fix. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay. <laughs> there you go well uh, shout out to all of the ac hvac companies yeah, that make HVAC these guys. These, cal these calls during the summer right they uh do it. they're the mvps for sure um yeah. so we're recording at night yeah on a, on a sunday and they're hungover and they're still doing it um so we're doing this show a day after july 4th hopefully you're not too hungover um you know we think about how amazing of a country that that we live in and i think it's really easy to get caught up in a lot of the noise, a lot of people just really bitching about the state of our country. And sure, there's some things that could be improved on, but man, am I grateful to, to God that I was born in the United States of America. I can imagine being born anywhere else. And uh, we have a lot to thank to uh, people like you, Stacey, that, that served our country. So one, you know, thank you for your service. Definitely appreciate you and, and, and all of the other veterans so tell us about how all that started. Like at what point in your life did you think, you know, I'm, I'm ready to, I want to make this leap. I want to join the, the armed forces. Uh, well, first you're welcome. And second, it, it's funny because um, I was actually a little older. I was 22 when I joined. It wasn't right out of high school, which considering the circumstances around my finishing high school, the fact that I was homeless um, it, you would think that that would have been the inevitable 
uh, next step. Oh, join the military. Uh, however, it wasn't. It was I was following the prescribed pathway of you go to college after high school, you know, because my parents did not. And so, I mean, they did a little bit. But through it, you, right? <laughs> right. So, you know, it was doing the shoulds. And um, after some time in college and it not being the right fit because it was a should and then taking a few years off and, and, you know, life was good. I just knew it was not going down a path that I wanted it to go. And I needed a really big reset. So why not join the military? (laughs) And of course I joined the army in February of 2001, fast forward to September 11th. And wow. needless to say, um, I was very busy after that because I did chemical and biological warfare detection. So my first deployment was actually to the Pentagon right after 9-11 to clean up anthrax. So, Wow. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> talk just, about, you know, tossed into the fire, literally. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, what, what, okay, so walk us through that. You, you, that's your first mission, essentially. So you mm-hmm. arrive at the Pentagon yeah, you know, I mm-hmm. when this happened, I remember just that big ass hole yeah. in in the yep. Pentagon. So you arrive at the scene of the crime. Like, what what do you do? What do you do next? So we had um, basically we were a mobile lab because we were bio warfare detection, and so we set up the mobile labs all the way around the exterior of the Pentagon, including the crash site that had been kind of partitioned off you know and only certain people get in there like but we could um and so that was external and then there was a few of us who got clearance to go inside and do testing and cleanup in inside the pentagon as well so were you able to go inside mm-hmm. wow how, yeah. how describe to the audience how big was that hole like how big was that damage to the building Oh, yeah. Wow. So actually standing in the crash site, that's probably a good, like, I guess it depends on the city you live in, but it was like the size of like a nice city block, you know, I mean, it's a good few buildings. So wide. Well, the, know, but height, we're we talking like three, four stories in height or? Um, yeah, I mean, above ground, the Pentagon, I believe is like five stories, okay. I think. So obviously floor, you know, ground level all the way up. I mean, it's just completely destroyed. Um, and then it wasn't all the way through. So it wasn't like you could see all the way into the courtyard. Yeah. Um, but it was a few buildings wide and definitely like a good building halfway deep, actually more than halfway into the Pentagon itself. So, yeah. So you got busy pretty much right from the jump. So yeah, you went like a non-traditional path, which back then was probably more non-traditional. Now I feel like, you know, you see kids getting encouraged, like, Hey, go, go find your passion. You know, you don't have to go to college anymore. That's the new, you know, cause now entrepreneurs are raising kids nowadays and they're actually able to give them the truth, not the bullshit. So True. <laughs> would you, would you recommend that path? Would you recommend finding yourself first and then kind of stumbling into what works out or, you know, would you change anything and go come back on it? You know, it, I'm, I'm, 1000% grateful for my entire story, everything throughout my entire life as it played out. I would not be here doing what I do, sharing the message that I have, the passion, the purpose, all the things that I do today, if it wasn't for all of the 
steps along the way in my story, the trauma, the the missteps and the mistakes and the failures and the, the amazing triumphs and successes along the way. It's like, ah, oh, right. I just, I couldn't even imagine changing anything. And I'm grateful that I was bold enough to have those times that I didn't listen to myself because that's where we really figure out what's not working. (laughs) I mean, it sucks to get to that place of having a rock bottom moment. And I know I would not be doing what I'm doing today had I not had that journey, you know? So I'm grateful for being bold enough to make some of those extreme shifts, right? So extreme shifts like deciding to get get healthy and get clean and start a business and all of those things post rock bottom moment, you know, being bold enough as a chick to just guess what? I'm enlisting in the army and I'm going uh fully enlisted, like not reserves. I'm going to active duty, enlisting for four years and we'll see what happens. Right. Like I mean, I could commit the commit to that because college was not the right fit. When I went back to college later, it was a much better situation, but it was still a bit of a should, but you know, still. <laughs> what you going to do? And you ended up going to Iraq, getting deployed out mm-hmm. there, right? Okay. Um, before we get to that, I'm, I'm sure you've got quite a few stories there. You, you mentioned something earlier saying that you were, you were homeless. So was this around the time that you were addicted to drugs? Cause it, I, I know, is that, that part of your story too? No, the drug addiction and alcohol and food and all the numbing out didn't happen until later. So it's funny, like I didn't (laughs) I didn't have issues with drugs or alcohol until really after the military um, and and settling into the prescribed American dream. And the American dream, you know, the the safe corporate job with benefits and the house and the cars and the marriage and the the whole shebang, right, that you're pre- basically prescribed as the American dream was a prison because all of it was a should. None of it was really a reflection of me, my passion, my purpose, the things that l- were lighting me up. I was just rejecting all of it. And so in that, the pain of that self-rejection and really self-hatred, because I had really did not know who myself, I had no healthy coping and then all the childhood trauma. And then you add on top of it, military trauma. And it was this downward spiral of 10 years in just PTSD, depression, anxiety, and just all the methods of avoidance under the sun. So in terms of like the childhood trauma thing, it was a lot of moving as a kid um, was one of those things. So there was a lot of instability in that sense. And when I was in high school or before high school, my mom um, decided she wanted to move to Alaska. So we were living outside of Chicago. That was my whole life. My whole world as dysfunctional and fucked up as it was. There was family, there was some stability, some consistency, even though we still moved a lot. So then we uproot at 13. When I'm 13, we moved to Alaska. And then after a couple of years, she decides she wants to move again. And I'm like, I'd like 
like to finish school at a school that I started because I would switch schools all the time. And so, you know, obviously start high school at this high school. And then by junior year, she's like, I want to get another job and move elsewhere, like 10 hours away. I'm like, no, I really just would like to finish high school in the same high school. And she's like, okay, well, I'm still moving. So I stayed. And I spent the rest of my junior year couch surfing with friends um, and then kind of the same thing uh, for my senior year, staying with some of her friends, staying with some of my friends' parents and just kind of did it on my own. Yeah, made it work so I could graduate. So. So you've been bold literally from the jump. I mean, like, that's a huge thing. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, most high schoolers over here, like, you know, afraid to challenge their mom about, you know, small stuff. And you're like, you know what? No, I'm going to put my foot down. I'm going to stay here and actually finish what I started. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, we've moved and I've switched schools too many times to count. I would like to just finish out in the same place. And so I did. <laughs> So does that like stick? Like is that like a principle that stayed with you? Like, do you feel like you've carried that with you? Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a certain level of tenacity and persistence, and you know, with a little dash of stubborn as hell, you know, that uh I think works really, really well. And you combine that with a lot of resiliency because I experienced so much instability that um, you know, success has been something that was just inevitable simply because when I, whenever I've dialed in on something, that's just, it's just going to happen. You know, I'm too stubborn to stop. I don't quit and just keep going. I may pivot. I may learn a lot of tough lessons along the way. It's just, failure would be stopping. That's it. You know, so everything's a lesson or a win. And I just keep moving forward. And I feel like inevitably, like the core of who I am is I am a, you know, high performing alpha leader who is always in a state of motion. Like I'm always in some type of momentum. And even when I'm meditating, right? Like there's, there's so much creation energy. And so I'm very visionary type person and it's like, all right, how can we make the world better? How can I help people? How can I do this? Here's what I want to create in the world, you know? And then it's just what needs to happen for this to become our reality, you know? And so for me, it was deciding things like starting my business and, uh, getting healthy, saving my marriage, deciding to split my brands. And now we're up to like six companies <laughs> at this point, hiring family, hiring team, going from one to 12 in six months. And, you know, it's just getting to that place of being open to receive what it is that I desire. And, at the, and most importantly, recognizing that success is not a solo sport. And the more I started doing the work to dismantle the walls while having healthy boundaries in place, it started opening me up to receiving the help, the guidance, the people, the team, the all the things to allow it to happen faster and easier. Yeah, I, I really love, Stacey, how you just described to the audience 
failure and and winning and losing and pivoting because I think we're prescribed, at least I heard it in school a lot, you you either pass or you fail, right? You either win or you fail. And there's a lot more to it, right? Like as you get older, you start to realize, well, shoot, there's lessons I can extract. And I think it's important for you guys to remember that just because you take an L and you fall flat on your face doesn't mean you can't keep winning, right? You've got to embrace those L's. You only fail when you stop momentum, right? When you stop taking action, it's okay to take, make a pivot, right? And, and, and learn from those L's, learn from those losses. So I loved how, you know, you just described that to, to the audience. That's, that's a big reason why I know you're a winner and, uh, you know, you've been able to do a lot of really cool things. And I feel like you're just getting started with everything that you've done. You know, Keith talk, you know, alluded to it. It sounds like you've taken just like all of these life experiences, surfing on couches, uh, you know, showing up to the Pentagon on day one, going to Iraq, like, you know, I know we're going to get into the addiction and the food and, and, you know, the marriage and whatnot, but like you've taken all of that and it's just like, now you've been able to deploy it to the masses, to the people and, you know, to really make a huge, huge impact. So I'm excited to, you know, keep unraveling, you know, where, where you've come from and, and where you're going. I'm really curious on, you know, Iraq. Um, I'm, I'm more selfishly curious with this because I love history and I remember, this was, shoot, I was in seventh grade, Stacy, when September 11th happened. And I literally remember vividly, I, this is when TV was the shit, right? Like we would watch television, MTV, VH1, music videos, like that was a thing. And I remember scrolling through the channels and literally every, every channel. single channel, Nickelodeon, VH1, <laughs> MTV, um, Kita, they used to play the Bulls games on WGN. Um, I forgot the name of the network, but Michael Jordan was just kicking so much ass or he was just kind of getting done with his career. But like every single channel was, you know, the Pentagon or the World Trade Center. And I was just like, whoa, like they actually sent us home from school early that day, Stacy, because we went to, sc- I went to school at Je- Jefferson Middle School, which is really close to Camp Pendleton. And Camp Pendleton, for those that don't know, is one of the biggest military bases in the country. And when there was that last plane that was still in the air, um, I guess out of precautionary purposes, they evacuated us just in case there was, you know, just that, that whole, you know, risk. So they, we got sent home early and that's when I started scrolling through the channels. But I've always been fascinated by, you know, why we went to Iraq and weapons of mass destruction and Saddam your, Hussein, uh, all, all, all that shit, right? So um, you were there and uh, kind of yeah. walk us through what that was like, you know, you know, going through that experience and some things that, you know, you'll forever remember, maybe a story or two or some, some lessons that you took from that experience. What is most interesting to me? So Iraq was, we were in Kuwait in February of 2003, and then we were on the front lines, the first chemical unit in Iraq when we invaded in March of 03. And so we were with the front lines basically making their way up in into country from Kuwait up to Baghdad. We ended up kind of uh, eventually setting up shop. We we took Talil Air Base and kind of set up as our particular hub because our units um our platoons were all over country, all over the country. You know, they were attached to all these different marines and um air and you know, all these different forward units and it was just really interesting 
So for me, I ended up having to travel running these convoy rescue missions all over country because we had to support each of those platoons doing the biological warfare detection. And obviously we ended up doing a lot of stuff with EOD when we would get into new areas. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's interesting stories around like, you know, um, casualty evacuations and, and convoy ambushes and all of that stuff. However, what I found the most interesting and the most memorable was really reflecting back now is looking at how I was able to access leadership skills naturally during that time. And because if you're running convoy rescue mission, I mean, you're you're basically taking a few out, getting this whole unit, and then you're leading this convoy, and you've got to get all of these people and vehicles back safely through hostile territory, right? And you're kind of navigating through all of that. I mean, in many ways, you think somebody in their 20s, that's a lot of responsibility on your shoulders. And it was really interesting that how I took my position, because obviously I'm not in charge, even though I am one of the key people running this. I am the driver for our Sergeant Major. And so I'm in all of these top secret meetings. I know what's happening. I know the plans. Obviously, I'm part of the vision to execute said plan. Now we have this additional variable of we've got all these people that have to be on the same page. So here I am meeting with people who outrank me, telling them, this is what we're doing. Here's the plan. This is what to expect. Here's the, the you know, the codes we're using. This is what's going to happen. Here's where we know there's, you know, this and that's happening. So we've got to be prepared make sure, you know, I'm just having to debrief everybody and get everybody on the same page. And at the same time, not only am I in this leadership position in terms of delegation and strategy and high levels of communication, but the flip side to that was how much my empathy my strength and my emotional availability was vital to supporting all of those people. So really stepping into being this natural mentor and coach, this support system for everyone. And it was amazing how powerful it is as leaders that we have to have this high level of empathy, emotional intelligence, and authenticity and vulnerability as much as we need the boundaries and the structure and the safety and stability and the action and the doing, right? You've got to have the balance of both. And it's that balance of that masculine and feminine energy, right? The, um, the, the beingness as much as it is the doingness that we have. And so it was when we got back afterwards, even after like we came back from country, that was the one, the consistent theme that I heard over and over and over again was just this overwhelming gratitude from everyone that I worked with, regardless of rank, how 
good I was at the leadership side in the communication, but also that empathy and that emotional intelligence piece and handling everyone so well through that process. So that truly is that magical piece to our success in, in being able to lead people and get them emotionally invested in our vision and our mission, whether it's just getting a convoy out of combat or it is, you know, impacting the world with our purpose-driven business. I, for the audience that, that's not watching this, I, I can see Stacy's eyes like almost kind of like not tearing up, but like I just see the passion in her eyes. So like, you guys are really lucky to be hearing this from Stacy, someone that was on the ground and I'll just go out and call a spade a spade. I've never been in the military before, but I've been around a lot of men. Um, and I can only imagine another thing that was something that was up against you is here you are. I think you used the word I was outranked kind of debriefing and telling people what to do, but then you're a woman in the military. I can't imagine sure. that's helping you. Right. I'm sure we've come a long way, you know, as a country and whatnot, but like, you know, you, you had uh, the card stacked against you and you still prevailed. And, um, you know, I think that's amazing that you had so many people, you know, look up to you and, and give you kudos for, for doing all that. What, what do you think? Cause a lot of people listening to this podcast, Stacey, are leading, right? They're leading employees, they're leading teams, they're leading their family members, they're leading their spouses. And what I'm hearing from you are just, you know, whether it's communication, um, reading the room, like just different ways to, like you said, get people emotionally involved to lead the best way. What are some of the top qualities that, that make a, a leader great at what they do? Mm. Yes, absolutely. I love, 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 love this. Um, it is, it is interesting to to see kind of going through these these experiences. And I always, I always love using these stories as that, like to reference because I've got this military leadership experience, like very intense <laughs> military leadership experience. Then I moved into corporate leadership as a pharmaceutical chemist for seven years. Then I moved into entrepreneurship and business leadership. And the one thing I have seen over and over and over again in every situation is that, that authenticity, that emotional intelligence, the empathy, the vulnerability, the emotional availability piece to really effectively communicate with the people on your team is so vital. And that's the difference between the leaders who control and the leaders who influence is that emotional side. Because most of us, we've grown up with examples where it's all just, it's dictator, it's control, or it's micromanagement. Right. It's it's not built on trust or communication or understanding or really effective delegation as well. And what's I've I've really seen this beautiful shift overall just in leadership in general where where they're bringing in a lot of this this emotional intelligence this um learning improved methods of communication and 
really bringing in all of this nuance that we are whole people. It's not just either or. It's not like you're at work and then when you're at home, you're done and they're totally separate because you're the same person whether you're at home or you're at work. You're bringing all your shit, all your baggage. And being able as a leader to shift my communication to match the person I'm talking to because I have enough emotional intelligence and conscious leadership skills that I'm accessing all the communication types, all the personality types, because we all have them all inside of us. We just have to access the one that matches the person on our team to effectively communicate with them. And understanding, too, that our job as leaders is less about doing and more about being. And so I see this all the time with with entrepreneurs, especially. They're the operator and really struggle with becoming the owner, right? Because they're great at doing the stuff in the business, but they're not understanding how to lead where they're working on the business and now leading a team and delegating appropriately because, you know, a lot of leaders, they just get promoted into that position by default or expansion of their business. And so it actually requires work to become a better leader, to learn how to communicate with your team and understanding your job now is about holding space for your team, supporting your team. What do they need for for them to be each in their respective zones of genius and really shine to help you, the leader, meet the goals? And so it's a big shift from the doing because now leading is your job. That is, those are the tasks you're focusing on now, which is accountability, communication, follow through and just managing the team and all of those dynamics. And so that's the big shift is needing to have access to that emotional availability. That's deep right there. We're coming from a person who I've like probably the most shallow emotional intelligence if you ask my girlfriend. So that was, um, <laughs> that was definitely helpful. <laughs> I don't, you can, a deep well can still have a small vocabulary. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me feel good. Makes me feel good. <laughs> It's like my husband. It's like, I'm like, how are you feeling? He's like, pretty good. Not bad. I'm like, okay. That's, that's, that's uh, is, that not, is that not normal? <laughs> right? That no, normal and response. that's it, right? Yeah. And, and that's it, right? But it's understanding too, if this goes to the exact point of the communication, right? If your method of communicating in your language is not emotional, you can still have a deep well of your emotional space, but the way in which you communicate said emotional experience is actually, instead of saying, I feel blah, 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 you might be a thinker, you might be a doer. So it might be like, well, you know, I, I think X, Y, Z, and it's maybe more focused on actions or external things, even though you're utilizing that language to describe your emotional response. Mm. So this is so this is really the magic of good leaders in their ability to communicate in this way. So, you know, it might be, oh, I, I see what you're saying. 
right? Or I hear that this is going to be pretty interesting, right? It's like those little subtle nuances to understanding how someone experiences the world. And I, as the leader, have to get on your map, not bring you to mine. That's the problem. Most leaders try to make you see my way rather than me adapting to what you need. Man, that was good. Uh, my favorite part <laughs> so far, and I wanted to pose this question to the audience. I really loved how Stacy phrased, there's a difference between controlling and influencing as a leader. Yeah. And the controlling aspect is just how we grew up, right? Like we've all had a teacher in school that was just a controlling, micromanaging, fill in the blank cuss word, right? Yeah. And we grew up with that. And then maybe your parents were, were like that. Then your first boss was like that. However, we're in 2022, right? Technology, people have changed their, their perspectives, education. I mean, just how the world is ran in 2022 versus how it was ran in 1943 is just night and day different, right? But are you guys, and again, you don't have to have a team of 12 employees like, like Stacy has, or, you know, like we have, it could be you're leading your family, right? You're leading with your, your relationship, you know, with your girlfriend, your spouse, like, are you coming from a place of you wanting to control the situation or you wanting to influence the situation? And I think that ties in to another great point that Stacy brought up is getting people to always want to be on your side and see what you see where it's seek to understand versus being understood. And that's always easier said than done. Ego gets in the way of that, right, Stacy? Oh yeah, all the time. It is a it is not something that is a light switch. These are skill sets that have to be learned over time. I mean, it's literally why I'm in business, mentoring and coaching leaders to do this exact stuff, right? Which is <laughs> scaling businesses, scaling teams, uh, scaling relationships. I mean, you know, obviously as people step into that level of integrity and self-ownership, and self-leadership, it's amazing how now you begin to affect and influence those around you. But it's also important to understand that a lot of those control issues too, it's not just what's modeled, but it's also a lack of boundaries. If we were not taught healthy boundaries growing up, which again, Keep in mind, boundaries are simply this energetic layer of protection. It's how we have internal safety. If we don't have boundaries, such as myself, I had none. We end up creating walls, very all or nothing, right? Walls up like, mm -mm, nope, we do not let the people in, right? Or we do not let out those parts of our emotional self, right? That masculine energy is protecting the internal feminine energy. And most of us just keep it locked away because that high empathy, that high sensitivity, a lot of alpha leaders have balanced with the high sensation seeking, the high level of drive, right? We've learned, ooh, we kind of get fucked over with the empathy piece, especially if we come from trauma or abuse or just instability or any of just God, life happens. There's always going to be some type of an inner worthiness wound just because, again, you might have a shitty teacher. You might have a parent that snapped at you, whatever. It doesn't have to even be bad to create those wounds. It's when we lack the boundaries, 
the biggest wall that we have is control. So I feel out of control internally because I don't know how to process all of these emotions. Toolkit is lacking. Emotional intelligence, a little lower. Even though my intellectual intelligence, my IQ, crazy high, as many of us are, smart as hell. But this is where we see ourselves overcomplicating, overthinking things because we have these internal compartments. So the more we're able to work on the control issues, perfection, procrastination, expectations, attachments, even being focused on results, hustle, hustle is a big control issue is what can I do to create the results that I want, right? Well, let me do as much stuff as I can being in a state of action, even giving when we're great at giving and not so good at receiving, it's a control issue. So these are all these subconscious ways we've learned over a lifetime to basically stay safe. And that's the exact stuff that creates our biggest limitation in getting to the next level of impact, influence, success, income, even improving our relationships. It is breaking down those walls, especially the control, to be able to really have this great flow of giving and receiving, right? Of being able to lead and be have that emotional availability, that empathy. So it's it's creating that internal balance. But we got to work on the control issues. And you do that by building healthy boundaries. Man, well, winners, you guys are getting a free therapy yeah, session right now. I'm, I'm like, loving dude. it. I'm loving it. Have you gone to, did you get your see your therapist yet, Keita? No, this, this is motherfucker. This so is Stacey, why I've been I'm tr- loving all these, uh, these, these gems she's giving I've right been now. trying to get Keita to go see a therapist for a while now because we keep it real on this show. I've worked with Keita yeah. for a long time. I know him pretty well. I just started seeing a therapist recently and she's a, an older woman that just knows her shit super wise and I've been loving it. And, uh, you know, I've been been trying to put me on. I'd have been. So I'm like, that's why I'm like, dude, Stacy's just hooking you up, bro. Like, this is the kind of shit you're going to get therapy. (laughs) They're not going to be quite as good as Stacy, but this is the kind of shit. Maybe consistency, you know, maybe hearing it a bunch of times, I might start doing it. it, Exactly. Exactly. So winners, thank us. Like right now you better go freaking, you know, give us a review, go give Stacy some love. We're going to give you guys all of her, uh, websites and where you can find her, you know, on the show notes and whatnot. But I, obviously you guys can see that. I had a quick question though shit because um this you've been a great mentor for me and for the the winners on this phone call um and you we talked about your story where you're in your 20s you just just got into the army and you're already basically put into a leadership position you know out of necessity almost was there um, a leader or a mentor that you've had during these times that you looked up to maybe in the army or, or personally, was there a constant? Cause I know there was a lot of moving around. There's a lot of moving parts in the early stages of your life. Was there a constant person that you can go to or confident on that you had that you are to other people now? Um, no, not for the bulk of it. I had, I had people come in and out of my life. I do remember some really amazing influential people who, you know, we're just those beautiful guides along the way. They just kind of pop in and it's like, oh, I remember that person. I remember what they said, something or a lesson they taught me or some wisdom that they shared. 
And then I was super grateful that towards the latter part of my time in the army, and it was actually right before we deployed to go to Kuwait, I ended up getting partnered up with our first sergeant who was promoted to sergeant major while we were there. And he became that person for me. Like it was really, really, really amazing because he was one of the first people that I'd actually met in the military who really saw my power and my magic and my zone of genius that I was bringing to the table and really helped nurture and guide that in a super positive way. You know, as someone who spent the bulk of my life, you know, being, having my light dimmed by others and eventually then myself, because, you know, we learn our habit loops. <laughs> so, you know, when you're told not to shine too brightly because it makes other people uncomfortable, you start dimming yourself. So, you know, it was really nice to find somebody, you know, and, and have somebody that nurtured the things that were my magic. And it was really, really, really good. And so I had him for a little while, uh, Sergeant Major Varner, and he's out now and we're still friends and we still talk on occasion. Usually like once a year, we'll chat and get on the phone. And then my next mentor was actually the first mentor I had after my rock bottom moment. And I'm so excited because next week I get to interview him as a guest on my podcast. That's badass. <laughs> Full circle. Yeah. So it is full circle, you know, that that I started attending his workshops in 2015. And here I get to interview him in 2022 and really just highlight the the power of this beautiful cycle, you know, this sort of circle of life, right? Of everybody learning things and paying it forward to their respective clients. And then how many things I've taken from what I've learned of his along with all the other things I've done and bring that into what I do. So, and it's cool because um, a lot of the stuff I learned from him, I mean, I referenced him in my best-selling book and it's in my resources and I like note and reference things that I learned from him, which a lot of the stuff he's learned, obviously he learned from other people too. So it's not necessarily original, but it's given props to the people we learned from. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, Kirk Duncan at Three Key Elements was my first mentor that I invested in working with and was a huge huge part of my journey because I worked with him from 2015 to 2018 in a variety of different programs and, and different things that, that he and his team offered. So. Wow. I love it. Well, I think it's also a good time for us to I think we do the winners of disservice if we didn't talk about the adversity that you had to go through. So right, right now we're in the timeline, you know, you, you leave the military. When does that, you know, come to Jesus moment happen where you realize that hey, I got to get my shit together. Right. It is at the end of 2014, actually. It was really interesting. Um, it was it was funny because it was actually after doing a residential trauma recovery program through the VA and they clear out all the military trauma. But what's interesting is they don't really address the childhood stuff. So clear out all the military. What's left? Oh, wait, this is way older, way deeper. I've done all this work. Why am I still struggling? So for the that was at the beginning of 2014 and all of 2014, I'm just in this downward spiral. 
like the avoidance, the numbing out, the alcohol, the drugs, the food, the social media, television, work, all the things are just getting worse. Why is that? And it was interesting because at the time I didn't realize it was the unhealed childhood shit. I didn't understand. And so I have this, basically this moment where I'm, my, my health is in shambles. My marriage is falling apart. I've already lost my corporate career because of my health and mental health issues and physical health issues. And I'm, I'm just standing in the kitchen, just grabbing food from the cabinet, shoving it in my face, chasing it down with a bottle of booze. And I'm just bawling my eyes out in the kitchen. And I have this moment of clarity where I stop and I say, okay, what the hell am I doing? And for the first time in a decade, I actually received the answer. And it's, you're trying to make yourself look as ugly on the outside as you feel on the inside because you hate yourself. And that was a tough pill to swallow, like, oh, fuck. And then the follow-up to that was, and it's all your choices that made this. So it was a bit of a bitch slap from spirit. Um, And I'm super grateful for it because I ended up bawling my eyes out even more and eating more and drinking more. And that was the last time I was suicidal because that was another one of those times where I'm like, wow, I have no friends, no community, no nothing. Jeff and I are basically on the way out. So what's the point? Right. And so I'm really in that place of considering ending my life. And thankfully I passed out drunk and I woke up the next day and I was like, whoa, I remember all of those messages that I received. And so if it was my choices that created this mess, I have the power to choose something different. And so I decided from then on, I was going to focus on not trying to control anything other than myself. So when I speak about the control issues, I promise you it is from intense personal experience. (laughs) As As a high achiever, uh, back in the day, everything everything was about external validation. It was grades. It was you know reviews. It was perform you know the performance evals. It was making other people happy. It was all the shit. Everything was external. All of my enoughness, my value, my everything was all dependent on all these external things. So, so you you had the clarity, right? You got bitch slapped by spirit. What were, I love how you described that, by the way, that's, that's awesome. What were some immediate steps that you took after, after spirit bitch slapped you? So it was interesting. So I was seeing my trauma therapist at the time, which I am also a huge advocate for therapy. I go to therapy, even though I have all my coaches and mentors, cause they're just different, mm-hmm. you know, coaches and mentors, fast, fast results definitely a lot. However, the therapy is great for processing and understanding old shit and then coaching and mentorships very what are we doing now and moving forward which is awesome um so for me it was really the control it's like okay obviously i've been focusing on all these things that are outside of my control so i was like what can i control and i focused on one thing and one thing only and so i started simple and it was i can control what i'm putting in my body and so i started with my health It was, I created a morning routine and literally my morning routine was make the bed and brush my teeth. For somebody who was not getting out of bed and had shit hygiene, 
because that was really bad in my depression and anxiety, uh, PTSD cycles. I wasn't doing any of that stuff. And so it was like, if the bed's made, I know I'm out of it. My, my teeth are brushed. I at least like did something to take care of myself. And, but something that small was the catalyst to um, this amazing empire that I have today. And it was just focusing on what can I control? I can control me. And that is it. So time heals all wounds for one thing, because it sounds like you're, you're doing accommodation things. You still, you're a coach, you have coaches, but you also take time for mental health, which is, you know, it's, we're talking about it more nowadays, but in 2001, 2008, 2014, it wasn't really as big as, as it is now by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so like, do you think that is the next step for most people? Cause there's a lot of people probably listening to this, like, Hey, I'm, I'm do, I, I did, I started doing those two things every day. That's for me, but I'm still not feeling where I want to be Stacy. Like, do they need to look more in or do they have to look out and find someone like you? Like, what do you think the next step is for someone like that? I, I mean, it's a combination. It's, it's, if you're willing to ask for help, it definitely speeds up the process, yeah. right? That's the thing is, is how quickly do you want to get where you want to go at the end of the day, right? And this is all about optimizing. Almost everybody that I work with has done other work. They've done therapy. They've done other coaches and mentors. They've done strategists and executive coaches and all this, whatever. And the magic of what we do is breaking down those internal walls to integrate all of those things together. And now they're in full self-ownership and self-leadership to allow the success that they want to happen exponentially faster and easier. So we focus on effortless success, but effortless success still requires effort. So the big thing is understanding how hard are you efforting? right? Everything's internal. 80% of the work is internal. We've got to be it first in order to do it than to have it. Most people function in the opposite. So always the inner work, the more we have help from others, because when we're all in our own shit, we do not see what's missing. So doing it on our own DIY inner work is not it's not a bad thing. It's just not very fast. And sometimes we do need to go slow. So there's nothing wrong with that at all. Sometimes we need to sit in the suck a little bit and we need to go slow and take those steps and be introspective in a healthy way. I think the most important thing is if we're feeling that calling, that untapped power and potential calling you for some sort of passion, purpose, impact, next zone of genius, and you want it quickly, ask for help by investing in a coach or a mentor. Yeah, and uh, Stacy is a, a great place to start. Um, I want to just thank you for the time that you've taken, Stacy. Like you, I, I feel like you charged probably for a lot of this shit. So the fact that you poured into our audience in the way that you genuinely did. Um, I, that means a lot. I, I really appreciate that. that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, winners, you, you guys can reciprocate by one, share this episode with a friend, a family member, someone that, you know, needs to hear this because, um, we, we want to spread the word and, and get more and more eyes on, on what Stacy has going on. Um, tell us, tell the, the winners about, 
you have an event coming up next month in, yes. in August. Tell I, us about that. I I do. Yeah, August 4th and 5th in Tampa. If you want all of this magic and genius amplified and focused on you, come hang out with us live in person. They are powerful, powerful events in massive game changers. So we've got August and then we have November uh, 10th and 11th as well because we do them quarterly. Every single one is different, though. I always tell everybody I'm like it's different speakers, different themes, because it's all about supporting our influential family. So. Ooh, influential. I like that. Yes. So, so talk to mm-hmm. us about that. That's um, the, the group, right? That is my business. Yeah. Influential leadership. Yeah. We've got influential academy for all my courses, influential events. Obviously, we just talked about that. Influential mastermind for uh, that's our, our family is the in the mastermind. Everybody's amazing in there. They're like, they're my family choice. <laughs> um, and then we're we're always adding in things. So we're planning out for 2023 influential excursions, which is going to be really challenging people outside of their comfort zone doing things that are really fun, like scuba diving and snorkeling and fishing and you know, nice. stuff like that. Nice. So, so. Yeah, that's that sounds really fun, especially uh, out there in lovely Florida. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, where can people connect with you directly? Where can they learn more about you? The easiest spot is kind of the one-stop shop, the central hub for all things Stacy Rasky is stacyraski.com. We always keep things updated there as far as whatever our next links to our next events, um, anything that we've got going on. You can connect with um, us as far as our Facebook group, downloading my influential app, getting access to the podcast, pretty much all of that stuff's right there at stacyrasky.com. And that's uh, Stacy, S-T-A-A-C-Y. And then last name is R-A-S-K-E.com. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes for you guys winners. Um, man, this is a, a really, really great episode, Stacey. This was uh, something that I'd learned personally yeah. a lot from. And, uh, you know, I know the winners did too. So, so guys go support Stacy, go give her a follow, go check out her website. Um, I personally know a lot of the speakers that will be at her events and they're top notch. And, uh, you know, I've been watching Stacy for the last year. I met her through uh, speaking masterminds, uh, a mastermind in Texas. So, um, guys, Apex? Ma- yeah, yeah. Okay. She's, uh, yeah, she's, we're in apex together. She's nice. one of the ballers in there. So guys, <laughs> like if, if you're not in a mastermind and this is not plugging in anyone, any speakers, specific mastermind but if you're not in a mastermind coaching group like they're so powerful you get so many good relationships and nuggets and information that you can take back and apply um, and get a lot of value within your personal life your your business life your financial life so um, definitely you know go check out Stacy and, and what she has going on and uh, again if you have not given us a review give us a review and uh, share this episode with a friend because uh, it's not too often we're going to get a, a decorated war veteran and a best-selling uh, author and someone as cool and as a badass as Stacy Rasky on the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. For sure. All right, winners. We'll uh, go influence the week. Stop yeah. trying to control shit. And, uh, Be influential. Yes. Exactly. Yes. We'll have a great week, winners, and we'll catch you guys soon. Peace.